So I have my expectations for LSU football this season. You have your expectations for LSU football this season. What does the national media expect from LSU this season? You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, don't forget, you can also find us on YouTube as well. Just search Locked in LSU in the search page. Hit that subscribe button. You can like, rate, review, subscribe, comment, all of that great stuff. Just appreciate you for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. And as the football season is drawing near, we're going to get back into mailbags weekly. Now, I call them mailbag Wednesdays. I can never guarantee myself that we're going to be able to get to it on a Wednesday, but let's just call it a mailbag Wednesday, and it'll come whenever we can. So if you want to comment your questions there, feel free to comment your questions there. You can also send them in on Twitter as well. You can follow me at CarolineFenton1. You can also send questions and follow along with the podcast at LSU. Let's get into it. It was a busy, busy week last week in Nashville, for SEC Media Days, it was a blast. It's honestly one of my favorite weekends of the year. Not only is it fun to you know talk to coaches and to players and hear what's the buzz, what everyone is talking about. Not only is it fun to hear your team get talked about in a very positive light, but it's also just a blast to be able to chat with so many people, to meet so many people, to hang out with people who maybe you only communicate with via Twitter or on social media, like we got to hang out with a bunch of Locked On people, got to hang out with Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC, John Neighbors of Locked On Arkansas, Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn. The list goes on and on and on of the Locked On who's who was who was in Nashville this past weekend. So had an absolute blast. And uh, if you're ever able to make it to SEC Media Days, whether it's as a media member or as a fan, highly, highly, highly recommend. It's like my Christmas in July. Um, but not only is it for my socializing and for all of our uh, discussing about college football and about the SEC and talking to players and to coaches. It's also a time for the media to get polled about their expectations every year for the season. And so as a credentialed media media member at at SEC Media Days, you get a survey at the end of the week and you pick your preseason all-SEC teams. So you pick your top quarterbacks, your top receivers, your top offensive linemen, your top defensive linemen. Like you pick the top either two or four or six at every position group. And then you also fill out your projected order of finish. And that comes out on the Friday of the week of SEC Media Days. So the projected order of finish voted on by the media members at SEC Media Days in the SEC East. Honestly, really no surprises for me there. I expected top finishers, Georgia. I think we all expected that. Two, Tennessee. Not a big surprise to me there. Three, South Carolina. Four, Kentucky. I think you could switch those either way. I think there's a, a fair argument either way. I probably would have put Kentucky at three just because I believe in what Devin Leary is doing. I think you put a good, solid quarterback like that, transferred in from NC State this past year. You put him in Liam Cohen's offense. Kentucky's upgraded the offensive line in the offseason. I'm going to put Kentucky at three, but I, you know, I can't dispute that too heavily. So South Carolina at three, Kentucky at four, Florida at five. 
Florida's going to be rough this year. Missouri at six, Vanderbilt at seven, nothing really crazy there. But here's where it ends up in the West. All week long, when I was talking to, you know, I was doing guest appearances on other radio shows, or just talking to people in passing, I've heard, you know, man, LSU is going to be really good this year. Like, you should be excited. This is going to be a fun year for LSU. Are you excited? Blah, 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 so on and so forth. And a lot of people were saying that they are picking LSU to win the West. And I thought, wow, this this media day is a lot more fun than last year when everyone was saying, like, Brian Kelly is not a good culture fit. LSU is going to go six and six. Like, I like I like these conversations a whole lot better. But the official predicted order of finish did have Alabama in that top spot in the SEC West with LSU behind them. Texas A&M right behind LSU. Ole Miss in fourth Arkansas fifth, Auburn sixth, and Mississippi State coming in in the final spot in the SEC West. So even though LSU is getting a whole lot of love, even LSU, from what I've heard, a lot of people are saying, hey, I think LSU is going to run the table in the West this year. The official predicted order of finish has Alabama in that top spot. Now, it was close. It was close. It wasn't like a wide margin, like it was Alabama and then everyone else. It was Alabama and LSU neck and neck, and then there was a bit of a drop-off once you got to those three through seven spots. Um, But let me say this. I think that shows that everyone is really encouraged by what LSU has done this, this past season. Everyone was really impressed. But this is a, a prove-it-to-me league. And as we know, success isn't linear. So I think what this shows me is that a lot of people need to see Brian Kelly and LSU do it again. Can you be a 10-win in the regular season kind of team? Can you beat Alabama for the second year in a row? And not just beat Alabama, but run the West. Can you do that for the second week in a row? I don't view this as LSU being disrespected. Just because even though Alabama had a down year by their standards this past year, even though Alabama is going into this season with a whole heck of a lot of question marks, that's simply just the Nick Saban effect. And I think a lot of people go with the more certain option, even though LSU has much more certainty going into this season than Alabama does. Alabama and its brand and its continuity oh, year over year over year over year, not just 2022 to 2023, but since Nick Saban got there until now, Nick, Nick Saban in Alabama has run the table. So that's what that shows me. I don't look too far into it. I think I picked LSU like to, this past year in 2022. I think I picked out LSU to finish like fourth in the West. So what do we know at the end of the day? I don't view this as disrespect from, from the SEC media. I simply view this as, hey, show us you can do it again. Prove it to me twice. And that's what we're going to get into coming up next because I joined Chris Gordy of Lockdown SEC to break down exactly that. What are fair expectations for LSU going into this season? So that's what we'll get into coming up next. We'll chat with Chris Gordy. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just 20 bucks, and you'll land two. $100 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's great insurance from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. That's 200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get the first home run, all on an app that is safe, that's secure, and is oh so super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. 
There is no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, rolling along here on Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers for checking us out. We're uh, doing this thing. We're going across the conference and doing a little season preview on all the different teams in the SEC. And now we make a stop in Baton Rouge, talking all things LSU. And to do that, we catch up with Caroline Fenton of uh, Locked On LSU. Caroline, welcome in. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Always love the opportunity to talk Tiger football. And look, for those watching on video, we, we did our Ole Miss show. I wore an Ole Miss shirt. I'm wearing an LSU shirt today. So we're, we're equal opportunity here, moving it around. Uh, let's jump right into it, Caroline. Uh, what are the fan expectations, in your opinion, heading into year two of the Brian Kelly era, era there in Baton Rouge? I love this question because it reminds me, it makes me very reminiscent or nostalgic, rather, about the conversation that we were having about that just one year ago. Like this time last year, we were talking about, is LSU going to have a winning season? Like, is Brian Kelly going to be successful at LSU? And then now fast forward just one season, one year, one calendar year. And now we're talking about, can LSU win a national title this year? Like, is is LSU going to beat Alabama, win the West, and win the SEC championship this year? So it is wild uh, how much things have changed in just one year. But the expectations this year... I think that you, you can kind of fall into two different categories. You can look at it and say, look what Brian Kelly did in year one, beating Alabama, 10-win season, you know, a trip to Atlanta competing for the SEC championship. What can he do in year two with so much continuity, with so many returners going into this season? Now that the foundation has been set, the foundation has been laid, and it's coming from Brian Kelly, from, uh, from the horse's mouth. What can he do in year two? And I think that a lot of people are looking at, at it, like building upon what he did this past season, talking about, you know, potential college football playoff bid. I don't think that those are necessarily fair expectations. That's something that even Brian Kelly said himself. He sat down with Blake Topmeyer of USA Today and he said, you know, year three is really what I'm looking at for this team to be a national title contender. I think that fair expectations nine or 10 win season in the regular season. And if you told me today that LSU is going to win 10 games this year, I'll sign up for it. I think those are fair expectations, but there's absolutely are conversations about are they national title contenders? And I think just after week one against Florida state, we'll have a better vision of if LSU truly can be national title contenders this season. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I, I think we look back at, at in recent years at the quarterback play that it takes to win a national championship. And, of course, mm -hmm. Joe Burrow kind of set that bar in 2019. But we saw Mac Jones at Alabama in 2020, and then we saw mm -hmm. the elevation of his game in Stetson Bennett these last two years at Georgia. And granted, Georgia had elite defenses and, and p superstars everywhere. Don't get me wrong. Right. But 
you really have to have a special quarterback. And when I look at what LSU has, we know Jaden Daniels was very good. This is a guy who's played a lot of games at Arizona State, been a starter for many years. Um, but there's a reason Garrett Nussmeyer is still hanging around there. In your mind, how does this thing play out? I mean, we saw in the SEC championship and then the bowl game, they got Garrett Nussmeyer in there, and he looked great. Uh, is the plan to play them both? I mean, how do you see this playing out this year? So after the Citrus Bowl, LSU played Purdue, beat Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. The very first thing, not very first thing, but one of the first things out of Brian Kelly's mouth was, there is no quarterback competition. Jaden Daniels will be our starter next season. When he said that, I think myself and really the rest of the LSU football fandom said, wait, what? Like, what? Whoa. Like, no way. Um, Jaden Daniels is the starter. Uh, I don't want to say it's a, it's, there's no quarterback competition at all because I always think that there's an element of a quarterback competition, especially at this time of year, especially in camp. But Jaden Daniels firmly is the starter. But I do think that they want to give Garrett Nussmeyer very valuable reps. That doesn't mean that it's going to be a true two-quarterback kind of system. I think that that's – I don't think that works ever. And I don't think that that's what Brian Kelly wants to do. He literally said he doesn't want to do that. But I do think that you're going to start to see a little bit more of Garrett Nussmeyer, not just coming in when Jaden Daniels goes down with an injury, but taking some quality snaps. And we're going to start to see Garrett Nussmeyer, I think, grow a little bit. But this is this is Jaden Daniels' job. And I don't even think it's really his job to lose. Yeah, it's it's just it's going to be fascinating because again, there were reports that Nussmeyer had offers on the table, NIL deals from yeah. other schools to go be the starter, and he sticks with LSU. What did they promise him? What did they tell him about the 2023 season? It's just going to be uh, one of those things to watch. In, in your mind, when we talk mm -hmm. about Jaden Daniels, let's just say he's the guy, he's the starter, and yeah. you know he had some big, some great moments last year. He had some not so great moments, but he had some really good moments. My thought is, if he takes another step forward. This is year two in the system with Mike Denbrock running as the OC. If he takes another step forward, how good can he be? And where would you rank him among some of the other returning quarterbacks? Because I've seen some rankings out there. Some people have KJ Jefferson, number one. We know Will Rogers has a lot of skins on the wall. But where would Jaden Daniels, in your mind, rank this year among all the either returning or incoming SEC quarterbacks? I have no reason to think that he can't be a top three quarterback in the SEC this season. And I say that because I think that Jaden Daniels himself is almost like a microcosm for this LSU football team as a whole, because Brian Kelly talks about building the foundation of having a solid year one and building upon that in year two, I think, and, and starting already off two or three steps ahead this year than they were last year. I look at Jaden Daniels in a very similar way that the, the foundation has already been laid. The the rapport with the wide receiver core, with the offensive line, his understanding and his grasp of the offense, that's already there. You know, the dirty work's already been done. He has his experience. He has, you know, the, the skins on the wall in the room. He, he knows what his role on this team is, and he knows what his expectations are. He's already starting this season three, four, five, six steps ahead than he was last year. So I think those, those kind of growing pains and those bumps and bruises that you saw from Jaden Daniels, specifically at the beginning of the season this past year, I think if you just watch the Florida State game, you see it. You know, hesitancy throwing the football. Um, you, you could tell he was very skittish. He didn't have a whole lot of trust in the line and the receivers. And that's probably to be expected, you know, when you're coming into a completely new team. It wasn't just new for Jaden Daniels. It was new for the entire football program, bringing Brian Kelly and his system in. So I think that you're already going to have that confidence in Jaden Daniels. Um, 
but he's got stuff to work on. He needs to be a better passer. He relies on his legs too much. His legs are a weapon. They're an asset, absolutely. But sometimes that can be a crutch. And when there's a wide-open receiver five, six yards downfield, Jaden Daniels has a tendency to take off. He can't do that if he wants to be, you know, to, to fulfill his goals of winning the Heisman, winning the national title, things that he's already said that he wants to do. That's his his goal for the season. So I have no reason to believe that he can't be a top-three receiver. Receiver quarterback in the SEC this year just because of the experience that he has in the league and because of the continuity of this football program. LSU was only one of two teams in the SEC returning a quarterback and an offensive coordinator. The only other team is Vanderbilt. So I think that gives him an advantage as well. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. I mean, if they're going to have if they're going to get to where they want to go this year, I think Jaden's got to develop more as a passer and less running. We know he can right. run. You know, we want to see him sit back there, stay in the pocket, trust his receivers and throw. Because that Arkansas game last year, just so hesitant. I know LSU fans are screaming, throw the ball. Um, you know, and, and look, he can do it. It's in there. Uh, and I just look at the games he started. All those games at Arizona State, people forget. You know, he, he beat uh, he beat Oregon a couple years back when they had Justin Herbert. So this guy who's played a lot of football. If he takes that next step, um, you know, they could reach levels that, that maybe people aren't even envisioning for LSU this year. And you mentioned receiver. Yeah. I want to jump there next. LSU's got a really good one in wide receiver one in Malik Neighbors. You lose Kayshawn Booty, but some of these other guys, Kyron Lacey, Brian Thomas, Chris Hilton, you feel like some of those guys have to step up for LSU to be successful this year? 100%. And one question that I've been asking myself is who's going to be the Malik Neighbors of this year? Going into this past season, it was the Kayshawn Booty show. It was Kayshawn Booty and then everyone else. And Malik Neighbors just emerged as being an absolute superstar. He wasn't one that at least I was looking at to say, wow, that's going to be, you know, the game changer this season. So who is going to be that receiver this year that has that kind of breakout year? And I'm looking at Brian Thomas, at, at least in my opinion, is going to be probably that most likely candidate. He's a guy with experience. He's a guy who had some, some quality reps this past season but just needed more and more opportunity. And now with Jaden Daniels, at least ideally, being more comfortable in this system, maybe throwing the football a little bit more, that'll give Brian Thomas the opportunity to really break out. But looking at this past year, looking at the tendencies of Brian, of Brian Kelly and offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock, I think that it's going to be the tight ends that really start to blossom, that really break out. I mean, like Notre Dame's not tight end you for no reason. I know that's not only because of Brian Kelly and his love and admiration for using the tight end position in his offense, but that does have a lot to do with it. We saw the development of true freshman Mason Taylor this past season. You don't beat Bama without Mason Taylor. So I do think he takes another big step forward. And I think that you start to see the tight end position become even more and more of a staple in the passing game. Yeah, Brian Kelly could play five tight ends at one time. He would. He would uh, do it. <laughs> uh, one, one more thing on the offense. Um, when I look at the run game, I mean, they bring back almost all the backs with jo Josh Williams, Noah Kane. They had Logan Diggs from Notre Dame. Um mm -hmm. In my mind, like, is it fair to say the run game should be better this year? And when you consider they're going to be more solidified on the offensive line, those bookend freshman tackles a year ago are now bookend sophomore tackles. And they were both right. very good in Emory Jones and Will, Will Campbell. So, um, I mean, does, do they need to run the football more this year, this year in your mind? 
I think that they they do need to run the football more just because I don't think that in this league, in the SEC, I don't think you can be successful without a run game. As important as the passing game is and as much as the passing game has developed in the SEC over the last five to ten years, I don't think that you can be successful without a solid run game. Last year was kind of a running back by committee. Um, and I'll be interested to see, is that the route – they choose to go with this season as well? Is there going to be that one standout go-to guy in the run game? Or are you going to have, you know, your your guys like Noah Kane, who's a little bit more versatile, who can you know, also catch the ball out of the backfield as well as run it? Or are you going to have that one just bruising guy? Um, I, I would tend to think that it's more of a running back by committee. And you mentioned Logan Diggs. I think that Logan Diggs is an underrated addition to, to this team. Um, transfer from Notre Dame. He's from Louisiana, so it just made too much sense for him not to come to LSU, a kid from Louisiana who's coached by Brian Kelly in the beginning of his career. Um, I think that he is is going to be a solid, solid addition into this into this run game. I think they just need to be more responsible. Uh, LSU had a tendency to not take care of the football when they were running the football this past season. So I think that that's something they need to work on as well is just Take care of the football. You can't fumble the football. You know, take care of the football. Be more responsible and mindful in the run game. Yeah, Logan Diggs from Archbishop Rummel in New Orleans. And as we know, the three best Rummel Raiders of all time, number one, Jamar Chase, LSU wide receiver. Part of him. Number two, Logan Diggs. And number three, Chris Gordy. So the uh, three best Rummel alums. A there. trifecta. I have been telling people, those three. Got to keep your eye on those three. LSU legends. <laughs> all right. Coming up in just a second, we will uh, we will touch on – uh, or LSU's defense, and we'll run through the schedule with Caroline Fenton. That's coming your way in just a sec. All right, rolling along here with Caroline Fenton, host of Locked On LSU, and we're talking about the 2023 LSU Tigers. And Caroline, we talked a lot about the offense. Let's talk a little bit about the defense because we know this is a front that is headlined by Harold Perkins, who a year ago was one of the best defensive players in all of college football. But a couple of new additions. Obviously, they lose some of the guys on the defensive line. They bring in some transfers there. We'll see what happens. You know, they get Mason Smith back, which is huge. Uh, but kind of an underrated guy that they're getting through the portal at linebacker, Omar Spates. I keep reading more and more of people who are very high on him, and they like the idea of him playing next to Harold Perkins. And, you know, we'll see what, what that does in playing sideline to sideline. But just give me your overall thought on, on how, you know, confidence level and where you are in this LSU defense heading into 2023. This is a tale of two defenses because you asked me my confidence in the defense. I'll talk about the front seven. You know, the defensive line, uh, confidence is on 10 because you saw the emergence of Harold Perkins last year, who was an absolute monster as a freshman. So what can he do in his sophomore year and a little bit more of a refined role? Uh, last year, Harold Perkins was really used as just a versatile piece. He didn't really have a set position. He could play up front. He could rush the quarterback. He could drop back in coverage. He was a quarterback spy. I mean, he could really do it all. Brian Kelly wants him to play linebacker. He's going to play linebacker. So I'm excited to see what he does in that role. And then also last year, you saw the emergence of Makai Wingo, who transferred into LSU after his freshman season at Missouri, had a really solid freshman season at Missouri. Mason Smith goes down in that first game against Florida State. Makai Wingo really stepped up. Um, and from what I've heard, he was just 
the kind of guy that you want in the locker room, that he was a great leader. So I'm excited to see what he can do in year two. Mason Smith is returning. And it's almost like, uh, I always talk about Mason Smith as like, when you open your Venmo account and you have money in there and you're like, oh, nice, like free money. Just forgot about that. With Mason Smith, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, Mason Smith is coming back. Great. So excited to see what he can do. He was poised for a breakout year this past year. Got sidelined just too early um, after he tore his ACL against Florida State. So excited to see what he can do. So confidence on 10. You mentioned Omar Spates, captain at Oregon State, four-year starter at Oregon State, coming in is really, you know, settled in nicely. Ovia Gofu is another one who transferred in from Texas. Spent a few years with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame and then transferred into LSU from Texas, another one who has been a monster so far in camp. So solid on the defensive line. Getting into the secondary, I think, is a, is a little bit of a different story. LSU had one scholarship corner going into this season from this past year, and that was Terrence Welch, who had limited snaps. He was a true freshman this past year, didn't see a whole lot of action. That was That was all you had. So for the second year in a row, defensive coordinator Matt House and Brian Kelly had to dig through the transfer portal to build up the secondary. And they got really solid pieces. Denver Harris transferred from Texas A&M, five-star, and one of the top players in his recruiting class in the 2022 recruiting class out of LSU. So excited to see what, what he can do. Can he stay out of trouble? You know, can he stay on the field? How does he fit into LSU? This is his second shot, and it's a really solid second chance to be able to do that at what is called DBU. Um, but it, it's a it's kind of an island of misfit toys in the secondary. Transfers from all over. So that's something that I'm not necessarily concerned about, but something that I'm questioning. Can Matt House turn this, this secondary around for the second year in a row? What does the secondary look like with so many transfer pieces and with so many young up-and-coming players? Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. I mean, you safety, you feel good with Major Burns and Greg Brooks back there, but that those corner spots, Cy Alexander from Southeastern, Deuce yep. Chestnut from, from Syracuse, good players. But, you know, if you're LSU, do you, should you really be digging up corners from Southeastern and Syracuse? Like, you should be grooming your own guys. So, right. With the reputation of this program, it, it's, it's out of character to not have those defensive backs just lined up on the depth chart. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's uh, dive into it, Caroline, as we start to look at LSU's schedule. Um, obviously, right out of the gates, the, the game against Florida State in Orlando. We know LSU fans are hoping to win that game after losing the heartbreaker last year in New Orleans. But on the flip side, God, Florida State is loaded. I mean, they bring back Jordan Travis at quarterback, all the new pieces they added through the transfer portal. So that one to me is still very much a 50-50 game. Uh, where are you on the Florida State game? Man, it keeps me up at night, Gordy. I'm not going to lie. It's I have a love-hate relationship with LSU's tendency to schedule really good games week one. LSU does this every year, and I love it because I get a good peek behind the curtain of what this team is really going to be, a better idea when you play Florida State versus, you know, East-West Technical Community College week one, playing a cupcake, cough, cough, Nick Saban in Alabama. Um, but it's also the other side of it is – you might have a loss on your schedule after one week. And that kind of sets the momentum and sets the tone for the rest of the season. The way I feel about the Florida State game is if you lose that game, and it depends on how you lose it. If it's the same kind of heartbreaker that you had last year where it comes down to a, you know, a blocked extra point, it's going to suck and it's going to hurt. 
But you can look at yourselves and say, well, that's a really solid Florida State team. Jordan Travis is has a whole lot of Heisman buzz. And if we talk about continuity for this LSU team, a whole lot of returners. Well, Florida State has more. Florida State is a really solid team. So if LSU loses that game, but it's a close game and they play well, I'm going to feel really good about this team. I've said, if we're going to talk about the national championship, if we're going to talk about the college football playoff, I think that the college football playoff hopes are still alive for LSU, even if they do drop that first game against Florida State. But I do like LSU's chances. I really do. I think with all of the momentum that this team had coming from the end of this past season, with so many returners, with so much just more, um, I don't know the word, just more clarity about what this team is. It makes me feel a whole lot better going into this game against Florida State, even though it is an absolute wagon of a team. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll go 51-49 here. We'll say they win that game against Florida State just for All right. argument's sake. Then they get Grambling Week 2. That should be a win at Mississippi mm-hmm. State. It's an interesting win because we already know it's an 11 a.m. Central game on ESPN, so it's going to be, you know, is LSU sleepwalking or do they come out aggressive and ready to go? And, uh, granted, we don't know what Mississippi State's going to look like, and you're one of Zach Arnett now coaching and, and Mike Leach gone. But um, I look at that. That one is one that LSU, I feel like, has to win. You don't lose in Starkville yeah. if you're LSU. You come home against Arkansas, again, a, an improved Arkansas team, K.J. Jefferson, Dan Enos, uh, now the O.C., but I feel like you win that one. And then two road trips after that, at Ole Miss and at Missouri. I think they can win at Missouri. The at Ole Miss one is a little is a little bit scary one if I'm an LSU fan. Where are you on that one? So there are three games in particular that I look at every year, and I say LSU doesn't lose those games. And it just so happens to be three games in a row, <laughs> Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. LSU just doesn't lose those games. If you lose those games, then what you think you can be a national title contender competing for the SEC West, a potential second trip to Atlanta in a row for for Brian Kelly. You don't do that if you lose any of those three games. Ole Miss is a very interesting, interesting to me because last year when LSU played Ole Miss, LSU, excuse me, Ole Miss went into that game undefeated. But I felt like it was almost like a, like a false undefeated Ole Miss team. Because it came down to a, a really close game against Kentucky. Well, Levis got hurt in that game, and Ole Miss ended up pulling out that game. Ole Miss had a really light schedule at the beginning of their season. So I felt like all the hype surrounding Ole Miss going into that game against LSU probably wasn't warranted. And it was a little bit of a back of a comeback to reality for Ole Miss whenever um, LSU took that game in Baton Rouge this past year. I don't know what to think of Ole Miss, to be completely honest with you. The quarterback situation at Ole Miss is is interesting. They've got an absolutely loaded quarterback room. I don't know what to think of Ole Miss, to be honest with you, but I look at that game and those three games, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, they're games that are keeping me up at night. Florida State's one of them. Those three, to be completely honest with you, are not. Yeah, and and just for argument's sake here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put LSU at – Put them at three, four, five. I'll put them at five and one. I'll give them a loss in Stark at, at Ole Miss, rather, in Oxford. Okay. Um, so I got them at five and one going to that Auburn game. I feel like this is the year to beat Hugh Freeze in the transition year. You're in Baton Rouge because I feel like next year that's going to be a brutal game going to Auburn in year two of Hugh Freeze and all that. So I feel like LSU beats Auburn this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they get Army, which is a, a really tough team to plan for and scheme for. 
right interesting after schedule choice there. But Don't I, know why we're playing Army. <laughs> I, I feel like they win both of those, though. So I've got them at what that's that's four, five, uh, six, seven, seven, and, seven and one, seven and one going into Alabama. Mm-hmm. This game still decides everything. Even with the loss yeah. to Ole Miss, you beat Alabama. You're in the driver's seat for the SEC West. So give me a thought on LSU Bama. We saw it a year ago. Alabama, obviously, they've taken a step backward. They lose Bryce Young. They lose Will Anderson. But a lot of people are still picking them, even despite the quarterback questions. People are still picking Alabama to win the West because it's Nick Saban. But it's tough to play in Tuscaloosa. But if LSU wants to build off of last year, this is a game they can win. So I think it's interesting how Alabama loses two games and now all of a sudden everyone is willing to write Alabama off like there's some frou-frou game on the schedule and Nick Saban is some, you know, kook coaching that, fo- that football team. I, that, I think, is is scary to me. An Alabama team that's being maybe overlooked or an Alabama team that everyone looks at as, well, it's Alabama, but Georgia is the team to beat. That is a very scary scenario for me because I know Nick Saban is collecting all of it as bulletin board material and he's going to want to come back with a vengeance. There's a reason why it's really difficult to beat Alabama once. It's even more difficult to beat them in back-to-back years. But I am going to say if you're going to beat Bama two years in a row, this is the year to do it. When you have so much consistency, when you have a team that's very – you know, reminiscent of what you had last year. Same quarterback, same coordinators. You're returning your top four rushers. You're returning your top receiver. When Alabama has some quarterback concerns, questions, when you're bringing in two new coordinators, this is the year to beat Alabama in, in back-to-back years. Brian Denny's a tough place to play. It really is. I don't love the fact that the game's in Tuscaloosa, but in 2019, you marched into Tuscaloosa and you beat Alabama, and it was a much better Alabama team then than I think you're going to see this year. So I'm not going into the game with a ton of, I'm not going to say confidence, but I look at that and say, this is a really wonderful opportunity. If LSU played Bama in Tuscaloosa in September, I, I give LSU the win. The fact they get them in November, I think Alabama's already got the quarterback thing figured out there. Yeah, right. Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner, whoever it is, I feel like they've solidified that guy and they're rolling. So I'll give LSU a loss there, seven and two. But I feel like they come back and win the next three at home. Florida, which, look, Billy Napier still going through a transition. It's tough to win in Baton Rouge. Georgia State, I think they win. And I get, I think they get the AM revenge factor after losing College Station last year. It's turned into a good rivalry game. So, look, I get LSU 10 and two, not winning the West. But maybe sitting there prime. I don't think they get in the playoff at ten and two, but I think they're sitting there prime for next best bowl game. And I think that's a win for Brian Kelly. Even though he doesn't win the West in year two, he finishes with a better record in year two. I would probably agree with that. And that's what I've been trying I, I talked about with the locked on LSU listeners is look, success isn't linear. Not in this conference, not in the SEC West, not in the most competitive division in football. What you did in year one was incredibly impressive and instilled a whole lot of confidence in Brian Kelly. And I think that that's what Brian Kelly needed. That's what the fan base needed was reassurance that Brian Kelly is the guy coming back in year two, not winning the West, not competing for the SEC championship. If that is how it plays out. And I think that 10 and two is, is very fair is a fair expectation and is probably very realistic. I think that it should continue to remind people that, that yes, it's a results-based business, but you can start to see 
improvement year over year and in 10 and two season and year two, I'll take it. If it's a sugar bowl, an orange bowl bid, I'll take it. Absolutely. And I think that LSU fans should be and would be incredibly pleased with that. Yeah. And of course, year three, you know, if you go 10 and two next year, you're in the playoff because we got conference expansion or playoff expansion and all that. So, uh, Caroline, great stuff. Always fun to catch up with you. Of course, uh, locked on LSU is where you can find all of Caroline stuff. Uh, in closing, give me your uh, final thoughts here on, on LSU heading into as we count down the days to the 2023 season. I'm just I'm excited. I'm incredibly excited. And I think that LSU is is poised in a really great position where there are a lot of programs in the SEC that are in transition, that are rebuilding, whether that be a coach, a quarterback, the program as a whole. So I'm excited to see what LSU can do and how they can take advantage of an SEC that feels a little like like it's in limbo. And it feels like this is like the last hurrah of the SEC as we've known it over the last 10, 11 years since Texas A&M and, and Mizzou joined the fold. So I'm I'm excited. It's going to be fun. And Jaden Daniels Heisman 2023, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Caroline Fenton, host of Locked On LSU. Caroline, thanks for the time. And uh, we'll talk to you next week at uh, Media Days. All right. Looking forward to it. Appreciate it, Gordy. Well, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Shout out to Chris Gordy for having me on his show at Locked On SEC. After this, when you wrap up Locked in LSU, check out Gordy's work. He does a phenomenal job of covering the league. But every day is coming up tomorrow on Locked in LSU. I heard a whole lot of stuff that I loved from Jaden Daniels. And it just reiterates to me how much better of a position that he's in now than he was this time last year. We'll get into that on tomorrow's edition of Locked in LSU. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.